Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Victoria, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, February 27th. Today we're reading from the big book, Chapter 10, to Employers, beginning on page 144, the third full paragraph on that page. Today's readers are, in the order they will be reading, Michelle, <clears throat> Sharon, Robin, Judy B., and Fran. The share code from yesterday, Tuesday, February 26, is 3981. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Rose B. to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning, my name is Rose. I'm a compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God 
as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Rose. I will now call on Margaret Kay to read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Bishop Radio. This is Margaret in New Jersey, compulsive reader. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, NAPS. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. B, our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the big book. We are in Chapter 10, Two Employers. On page 144, beginning with a third full paragraph, the sentence starting, you are betting, of course, that your changed attitude. Michelle, could you please begin reading there? 
Yes, good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Michelle, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. We, <clears throat> You are betting, of course, that your changed attitude plus the contents of this book will turn the trick. In some cases it will, and in others it may not. But we think that if you persevere, the percentage of successes will gratify you. As our work spreads and our numbers increase, We hope your employees may be put in personal contact with some of us. Meanwhile, we are sure a great deal can be accomplished by the use of this book alone. And um, so this paragraph is is hinging on um, the paragraph above and, and that last sentence in that paragraph that says, the man must decide for himself. And um, this is after the, the employee has been presented with the program of recovery, and um, the employer is encouraged. He must he must feel encouraged at this time after hearing um, of the experience, you know, the author and the others who have recovered, and what this is going to mean for his business once his employees do recover. So they're they're cautioning him, they're encouraging him that you're betting, of course, that your changed attitude plus the contents of this book is going to turn the trick. Um, because certainly nothing that the employer has done up to this point has has helped, and he's been encouraged because he's been shown and his attitude has changed. How has his attitude changed? Well, it's changed from his belief or his thinking, um, the way he looked at the alcoholic um, in the earlier part of the chapter, uh, that this person was um, irresponsible, um, stupid, and weak. And um, and it says on on page um, 139, when dealing with an alcoholic, there may be a natural annoyance that a man could be so weak, stupid, and irresponsible, even when you understand the malady better. You know, even now that he understands that that this man is ill, um, and and it's a spiritual malady, um, but it says, you know, when you're dealing with him, you may feel that this feeling is rising up again. Um, so keep that changed attitude. Remember, your attitude has been changed in the process of hearing and reading this book yourself, um, those early chapters that, that this man is sick, he's gravely ill, and and that there is help and that there is hope. So, you know, some will grasp this. You know, others may not. You know, and what's the ingredient that's so necessary, that was so necessary for me as a compulsive overeater? And that ingredient was that I was desperate, that I was in enough pain emotionally, physically, that I was willing to grasp onto that life preserver and, and, and join you all in that lifeboat. And, and the same with this employee. Is, is he desperate enough? Is he feeling himself in the quicksand? Is he ready to take hold of this program? Is he willing to surrender? Um, you know, some will and others just may not be ready. But that doesn't mean to, to feel frustrated and have those feelings, let those feelings take over again that, you know, that this person is, is irresponsible and weak. No, remember, keep the attitude, that changed attitude that um, this person is ill and <clears throat> and some will recover. It does work. Um, you know, we've, we've shared stories with you. It will work. It will, will change your business. It will change the, the lives of these men. And the percentages, the percentages of success will gratify you. So it's a numbers game. Um, you know, just keep, you know, we're going to keep carrying the message, and we want you to um, have your attitude um, continue too. Uh, remember what you did was, you know, 
he has to know that he has a, a grave illness. You need to go ahead and, and confront him with the fact that if he keeps drinking, that, you know, he may not continue. Um, you know, um, the bottom of page 141 says, state that you know about his drinking and that it must stop. And that you might, you might say you appreciate his abilities um, and would like to keep him, but cannot if he continues to drink. And it says a firm attitude at this point has helped many of us. So that's the kind of attitude um, that is required. And persevere with that, and you will see um, successes. And you will be grateful. They will gratify you. And as the work spreads, then, you know, yeah, members will increase, and you're going to see this fellowship grow up among your employees. But in the meantime, they're saying a great deal, a great deal, a lot, can be accomplished by the use of this book alone because the book does carry the message. It does outline the clear-cut directions that are required for the transformation. And, and there is some, it is a spiritual malady, and it does take a power greater than any human resource. That's what it's going to take for this transformation. And to be encouraged, you may not see successes with every single one of your employees, um, but have faith, keep the courage, persevere, and you will see successes. You will see lives transformed before you. And um, possibly um, is going to be convinced that it is a power greater than any human resource, greater than anything that he could do as an employee, employer. Um, and he will see these lives transform right before him um, with the use of this book alone. Thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. Who else would like to comment on what was just read? Press star one to unmute your phone. Good morning, Penny E. Good morning, Penny E. Go ahead, please. Thank you so much. Good morning, Penny E., a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Grateful to be here. I just, every time, this book is just, it keeps me speechless. It's, it's just so hard uh, not to uh, get passionate. But anyway, meanwhile, we are sure a great deal can be accomplished by the use of this book alone. And um, this is Bill and 100 Recovered Alcoholics. This is our. Um, th- this is the information he wanted us to have. You know, this is our inheritance. The information in this book alone can accomplish a lot. There's a lot of people on this line. There's a lot of people out there who can't find sponsors, so on and so forth. The truth of the matter is, in the beginning, and uh, this part was written. In the beginning, uh, you know, 1939, um, there weren't sponsors for everybody. We didn't ha- they didn't have sponsors for everybody. They had this book. They had this book. It says, as our work spreads and our numbers increase, we hope your employees may be put, may be put in personal contact with some of us. So their, their recoveries were not diminished, were not held back in any way because they had the information. What better than sitting across the table from Dr. Bob, from Bill W., and a hundred other recovered alcoholics, tell me how to do it. Tell me how to do it. And it also reminds me, when it says in here, uh, in some cases, um, we'll do the trick. In some cases, it will. And in others, it may not. I go back to page XX 
forward to the second edition, which was written in uh, 1955. And what it says here is, of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once, 50%, and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. So this is what they wanted us to know in 1955, that not everybody, not everybody is going to get this thing, you know. And, um, but if you persevere, the percentage of successes will gratify you, the employer. So I'm just so grateful to have this, this information, to know that it's here. Uh, it doesn't have to be watered down by my sponsor, her sponsor, her sponsor, her sponsor. It's right here. And if we study the words right here, a great deal can be accomplished. So thank you for letting me share. Love and hugs to you all. Thanks. Thank you, Penny. Anyone else like to share on what was read? Good morning. It's Leah. Good morning, Leah. Go ahead, please. Hey, Victoria. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, would like to jump in on this statement. Meanwhile, we are sure a great deal can be accomplished by the use of the book alone. I mean, we're very spoiled today, aren't we? You know, we sit on the lines most often, most most mornings with 160 people together, and we have uh, meetings on, you know, our corners in every city and uh, town, but you know, back then in 1939, as Penny mentioned, uh, you know, they just had this book, but the book was enough, and the book doesn't need to stand on trial. Um, you know, it's the same pages today that we study, and Wednesday, February 27, 2013, because the book um, gives clear cut directions. And nobody has been able to improve on the recovery program described since this first edition. I mean, you think of other texts and other books uh, that are published, and, you know, texts get updated from time to time. People make new discoveries, and they expand their knowledge on particular topics, on, on subject matters, but not on re- program of recovery, nobody has changed these pages. Uh, These first 164 pages have stayed the same. So, of course, we're in the chapter two employers, and here, you know, Bill and his uh, friends are trying to make an effort to enlighten employers about alcoholism in the workplace and how these employers can perhaps confront or, um, you know, do a little... uh, intervention work in the in the workplace but they're saying here we are sure a great deal can be accomplished by the book alone meaning that you know AA was conceived it was born and lives today as a spiritual program it is a spiritual program it is a spiritual experience that expels the obsession of the mind and allows the alcoholic to live free and happily and usefully you know, it is a spiritual program. It's nothing more and nothing less than a spiritual program. My personal observation is that AA is compar- comprised of two things. One, it's a program of recovery from alcoholism. You know, it allows men and women to get sober and stay sober, and we utilize these same steps and principles in, for compulsive overeating. And number two, it's a fellowship of men and women. 
Now, nobody ever intended it to be a fellowship of men and women. They intended to publish a book and let people find a spiritual conversion through the action of these steps. So I think it's making a statement here, you know, as we study these pages this morning, that um, the book, the book, the action steps in the book is what allowed these employees the opportunity to recover if they decided to do so. And two, um, that fellowship, even though fellowship is is powerful and fellowship is extremely supportive, um, it is not the vital change that's necessary to recover. It supports us through that change, but it is actually the book and the steps within the book and these actions that the employers are suggesting to their employees that create that vital change, which allows two things to happen. One, it allows the obsession of the mind to be expelled, and number two, so it enables the sufferers to become happily and usefully whole, and that includes um, in their in their families and, of course, in their workplace. AA grew by leaps and bounds because of that. AA grew by leaps and bounds because these men and women who were thought to be hopeless, who were left in gutters or who were locked up and never saw the light of day again, these alcoholics, they got sober, they stayed sober, their families were restored, they were rehabilitated, and then their talents and, and strengths, were, which were God-given, were now utilized in their communities and in their workplaces. And that is the message of hope that the book offers, offered then in 39 and offers today. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Let's move on to the next two paragraphs. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sharon, um, could you read the first short paragraph and the next one following, beginning at On Your Employee's Return? Okay. Good morning, Victoria. This is Sharon. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Are you saying start at On Your Employee's on- Return? Right, that short paragraph and, and very next, short paragraph and then the next one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so that's three paragraphs in all. No, okay. actually it's it's two paragraphs. Two, okay, on your employer's return and then if this connection. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Great. All right, well, good morning to all on the line this morning. On your employee's return, talk with him. Ask him if he thinks he has the answer. If he feels free to discuss his problems with you, if he knows you understand and will not be upset by anything he wishes to say, he will probably be off to a fast start. In this connection, you can remain undisturbed if the man proceeds to tell you shocking things. He may, for example, reveal that he has padded his account, his his expense account, or that he has planned to take your best customers away from you. In fact, he may say almost anything if he has accepted our solution, which, as you know, demands rigorous honesty. Can you chase, change? Can you charge this off as you would a bad account and start fresh with him? If he owes you money, you may wish to make terms. 
So here we have quite a bit of information and good orderly direction. It says first the employer is is going to have a discussion. And that says that we have to be prepared and ready. We're out of the shadows now and into life. And that means that we have to sit down and openly and honestly have discussions about our situation, about what we have to do in order to recover and uh, uh, become productive citizens again. And that's going to require that we open our mouths and that we talk, that we find the words. But it also leaves a clause here that says if he feels free to discuss his problems with you. So if we need to ascertain if this is com- if we're comfortable with talking with our employees, employers, we need to do that. I I contend that we need to have these conversations anyway if we're compulsive overeaters that are recovering and we need certain accommodations and uh, for us based on our food and and the types of things you know some of us have to eat six times a day which means we have to take those little breaks and and eat some of us based on our our health have to eat at certain times these are things that we're going to need to discuss with our employers and we need to be honest and open with them and uh, whatever whatever we do need to whatever's going to impact our job, whatever's going to impact them, we have to be willing to humble humble ourselves and have that discussion with them and being open and honest. Also, in this next paragraph, what they're saying uh, to the employer is that this person's got to come clean with you. What we, what Bill is doing in, or what the big book is doing is telling us that we're going to have to do the hard work of being honest. We're going to have to, uh, this is our steps, uh, uh, the fourth and fifth, where we uh, uncover the issues that we're dealing with that have led us into the food and kept us into the food. We become uh, willing to have our shortcomings removed. and asked God to remove them, made a list of all people we have harmed, and then we have to make amends. And that means that we have to go to our employers in some cases and be honest and tell them, look, I've raided the refrigerator and you had that customer coming. I ate the food. Or while I, because I was in my food, I wasn't able to do the job that you had for me to do. I messed up my accounts. And whatever it takes, we have to come clean after we've talked with our sponsors and, and our uh, network of, in the program. And we might, we're going to have to sit down with our employer if they're on our list of amends. And it's not going to be easy. And what what the big book is saying to the employer here is be prepared because we may be shocked. There may be shocking things 
that that employee has done. And they're going to have to come clean, but it's telling us, too, that we are going to have to make amends. And we're going to have to put down our pride. We're going to have to humble ourselves because we want to get recovered. And we can only get recovered by working these steps and by being open and honest and truthful. And then it goes on after we've been honest. Just saying that we're sorry is not enough. We have to make amends. And that may be here, he says, that if he owes you money, you may wish to make terms. He's The, the big book is saying to the employer, you're not required to receive back the person who has harmed you. That overeater, that that person, that alcoholic in this case that's coming back to work, if they've done something that has taken away from you, they're required to make amends, to make restitution. You can forgive them, but you don't have to. And that's what we have to accept. Uh, that we have damaged others and we can expect to find a way to make amends for that to them and so that's what we we have to be prepared to do that that's our open and honest way of living and that's how we clean up the wreckage of the past so that we can go forward through that arc into uh, happy useful living And it's not going to happen if we keep our head in the sand, if we pretend that things didn't happen, if we gloss over and hide. What we're being told is that we have to be open and honest. And we can expect that our employer, we can can hope that our employer will receive us. But, and the the big book is, is preparing the ground for us. So, but our part, is that rigorous honesty and that being open and truthful and then making those amends so that we can be restored. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. This is Victoria, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I would like to share on what was read. In fact, he may say almost anything if he has accepted our solution which, as you know, demands rigorous honesty. This paragraph is preparing the employer to see a stunningly changed employee. The old uh, motivations of self-interest, self-protection, and image management appear to have been thrown out the window. And the employee now may be motivated and oriented to a whole new set of conceptions and principles for living. Just as on page 58 in the big book, we were told that even those of us with grave, grave emotional and mental disorders do recover if we have the capacity to be honest. It's the big if 
I remember a conversation with my first sponsor. I had a sponsee who I sensed was not being honest with me um, about what she was eating and other other things. Um, and I was concerned about that. And my first sponsor told me in a very reassuring way that whether or not um, she is sharing the truth with you, even if you are being deceived, if that is in fact happening, this recovery will be coming undone. This recovery will not be a lasting one because that kind of dishonesty always takes us back to the food. And for the, for the prospect who has grasped the, the critical, all that is at stake, everything is at stake around that honesty, um, we may in fact say almost anything compared to how we used to be. It's the perhaps some of the first evidence of the beginning of a personality change. And with that, I'll pass. Would someone else like to comment on what was read? This is Paula Maggio. Yes, Paula. Go ahead, please. Oh, thank you so much. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, this is to the employers. You know, the employers are watching you. They're watching what's happened. They're actually seeing the transformation. So be clear, are they seeing a transformation? Are they seeing the same thing without the drink? All are watching. This, these chapters to the family, to the spouse, to the wife. Ah, but what are they seeing? And this part here, on your employee's return, talk with him. Again, not sermons, not criticizing, not all. No, talk with him. What is it to have a talk? And then it says, and this part just blew me off the page top of 145, right where it should be, right on the top. Do not be upset by anything he wishes to say. No, that's fine. He will probably be off to a fast start. Honey, Leia says it often, we are in a race against time. You want to carry this stuff around? You want to live in dishonesty? It will take you back right where you were. Do you want to continue on this path? Rigorous honesty. It is the path and the only path. And I will tell you again, it says, meanwhile, I'm going to go right back to that word again. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, honey, you get that big book and you follow the directions. You follow the directions. What is your employer going to see? And may I also say, it says there on the chapter, the paragraph before, but we think that if you persevere, the percentage of successes will gratify you gratify all the employer why is he putting all this perseverance into you this part here in this connection because you're connected employer employee family wife you're connected sponsor sponsee can you remain undisturbed if this man proceeds to tell you shocking things dear why can you because he is being honest because if he has accepted our solution, which, as you know, the employer knows too in the big book, 
demands rigorous honesty. Can you charge this off as you would a bad account and start fresh with him? If he owes you money, you may wish to make terms. There you go. Now the solutions are presented. You make terms to pay back what was dishonestly taken, whether it be money, time, whatever it may be. We all do remember those lines. Uh, uh, an alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. Honest he is not. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this before we move on? All right, then, Robin, would you please read the next two sure. very short paragraphs, beginning with, if he speaks? Sure, this is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered. If he speaks of his home situation, you can undoubtedly make helpful suggestions. Can he talk frankly with you so long as he does not bear business tales or criticize his associates? With this kind of employee, such an attitude will command undying loyalty. The greatest enemies of us alcoholics are resentment, jealousy, envy, frustration, and fear. Wherever men are gathered together in business, there will be rivalries, and arising out of these, a certain amount of office politics. Sometimes we alcoholics have an idea that people are trying to pull us down. Often this is not so at all, but sometimes our drinking will be used politically. So, of course, we're in, in the two-employers chapter, and <clears throat> our man has stopped drinking. Our man has returned to work, and the employer is being given... Um, um, some some idea of what he's going to be able to expect going into the future. Um, can he talk frankly with you so long as he does not bear business tales or criticize his associates? Well, this, this is a hallmark of a recovered person to you know to watch for. Is is your man sitting down with you and um, telling tales, or is he taking the high road and um, talking frankly without having to resort to negativity and gossip? Um, and, you know, walking into the future with this employee, our employer is, um, of course, it, it, the man is still living in the world. <laughs> there, There's going to be um, hard times and good times and um, things to watch out for. We alcoholics, we compulsive overeaters often have the idea that people are trying to pull us down because we, we believe we're the center of the universe, of course. And, um you know, the things for an employer to watch for are to be able to support this man as he moves forward into the um, recovered world. Um, maybe he'll be able to help him understand that um, he is not the center of the universe and that people are not trying to pull him down. I see some some um, things here for me as a sponsor also. I see that... Um, Sobriety isn't enough. Stopping, um, you know, getting to a maintenance weight, putting the food down, being abstinent are not enough. Um, for my sponsee to be living in the, the professional world where there are politics, there are going to be possibly office lunches, office dinners, um, business dinners. You know, how do, how do I uh, walk hand in hand with somebody? Is there... 
um, going out into the world and living a full professional life and still working their program, well, we can take the high road. We can always take the high road. There might be things happening to that employee, to my sponsee, that seem unfair. Maybe people in the workplace are um, abusive, you know, um, and, and how do I walk through that with this person? Well, by directing her or him back to the big book. Um, this is a, a spiritual program, and we walk hand in hand with God. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Who else would like to comment on what was just read? This is Kim. Kim, good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. The greatest enemies of us alcoholics are resentment, jealousy, envy, frustration, and fear. I mean, that's the understatement of the year, isn't it? I mean, I think Robin just busted a big mess. I mean, come on. Wait a minute, isn't, isn't OA, isn't recovery about getting the perfect food plan, maybe doing a certain number of tools? getting down to our maintenance weight, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the aim? No, it's telling us here that we are in a 12-step program. We are, we are trying to become recovered from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. We are looking for that psychic change. We are looking for a transformation of thought and action. And what does that mean? On page 27, I love, I think this is a wonderful description of what that psychic change is. It says here, ideas emotions and attitudes which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. So the ideas, emotions, and attitudes were once the guiding forces. What does that mean? The greatest enemies of our alcohol, us alcoholics are resentment, jealousy, envy, frustration, and fear. I mean, if you think about of our day as a pie chart, how much of our day is spent in resentment, jealousy, envy, frustration, and fear? We probably have 99% of that pie chart dominated by this. So they're saying these are our guiding forces. So that transformation means we have to cast these to one side. Is that going to be done by a food plan? Is that going to be done by, by checking off a list of tools that we've accomplished today? No. That is accomplished through the steps. That is accomplished through taking those action steps. What does that first action step tell us? That we have to get down to causes and conditions. Causes and conditions. So that we can have this obsession of the mind removed. And once that is removed, we will no longer want to eat our binge food. So we get down to those resentments, those jealousies, those envy, those frustration and fears. And a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate us. What are those? Courage, honesty, faith, humility, perseverance. And when those begin to dominate our life, we experience a transformation of thought and action. We are able to go back into that workplace and start to interact with, with a, our fellow coworkers and our boss with integrity, with courage, with honesty, with humility. And we can transform our lives. So this is not about a food plan. We need to put down those foods so that we can be available, so that we can be available for that transformation of thought and action. So that today, 
The greatest enemies of us alcoholics, which are resentment, jealousy, envy, frustration, and fear, will no longer dominate us. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share in what was read? Penny E. Penny E. Go ahead, please. Good morning again. Penny E. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path, thoroughly. And it tells us here, you know, the, the red lights are blinking. Danger, danger, danger. The greatest enemies. I can't just pass over the greatest enemies of alcoholics. The greatest enemies of us alcoholics, compulsive overeaters, resentment, jealousy, envy, frustration, and fear. Not barbs, not, not bars, not Dunkin' Donuts, not, uh, you know, buffets, not uh, whatever, not, not weighing and measuring our food, not having the right or wrong food plan. The greatest enemy, the greatest enemy, loud and clear, and if we, if we don't thoroughly follow the path, if we don't look for this, if we don't understand what Bill and Bob and the first 100 alcoholics are teaching us here, we will go into relapse. We will pick up the food. If we continue to work programs of abstinence instead of programs of recovery. So this is what we have to look for. We do this in a 10-step. You know, we do this in an 11-step. We do this with our sponsors. If we don't have a sponsors, we look for this on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. Danger, danger, danger. Because today, I have an ulterior motive, although my food is okay. I think those are the most dangerous words a compulsive over can, can use. You know, like, I hit the dog, I got fired, I have resentment, uh, I hate her. Do you know that she's dating this man and that man? But I'm okay because my food is okay. Danger, danger, danger. We have to live these principles in all our affairs 24-7, and that way we will be some of the percentages who recover, who stay recovered today. Again, precise, precise directions, precise instructions. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Would someone else like to share on what was read? Press star one to unmute. All right, well, let's move on then to the next paragraph. Judy B., would you please read, beginning with the last paragraph on page 145? One instance comes to mind. Certainly. Good morning. This is Judy B., recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts and very, very grateful to be here. One instance comes to mind in which a malicious individual was always making friendly little jokes about an alcoholic's drinking exploits. In this way, he was slyly carrying tales. In another case, an alcoholic was sent to a hospital for treatment. Only a few knew of it at first, but within a short time, it was billboarded throughout the entire company. Excuse me. Naturally, this sort of thing decreased the man's chance of recovery. The employer can many times protect the victim from this kind of talk. The employer cannot play favorites, but he can always defend a man from needless provocation and unfair criticism. Well, this is this is telling us that um, 
the alcoholic, uh, the person trying to recover, uh, the person in program is living out there in a world, and especially in uh, a place of employment, where all kinds of things go on. You know, people, um, especially people not in program, are just out there in their in their disease, and um, and they can say all kinds of things and do all kinds of things, which really can seem hurting. And and this is why it's so very important for the recovering person to be following this program, to be working it strongly, to be asking for help. Uh, that person needs a lot of a lot of um, direction and a lot of um, support because the world is is sometimes very 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 difficult when we're um when we're out there in it and when the food or drink is down you know we we are really vulnerable we are really really vulnerable and we have to realize that resentment jealousy envy frustration and fear will bring us back into our compulsion Um, this paragraph is also trying to, to say to the employer um, that you need to be paying attention to what's going on in your workplace. Um, it says the employer can many times protect the victim from this kind of talk. Um, I don't know. The employer can try to do that. Um, but it, it's it's really up to the um to the compulsive overeater, the the addict, to um, to work their program because the viciousness of of people in the workplace can be strong and can and uh, sometimes the employer is just not able to change that. So the employer cannot play favorites. I think that's a bottom line because if the employer does play favorites. It will it will make the people that are are doing this harassment even worse. So this is not easy for the employer. I mean, he is walking a fine line, and um, he can do his best. But we we want to be sure, as um, as addicts, that we we know we may we may come up uh, into uh, into these kinds of situations, but. Whether we do or not, we can get through it. We can get through it with this program. We can get the help that we need. And we definitely do not want to go back to that old way of thinking and living because this is the way of recovery, following the 12 steps. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Who else would like to share on the paragraph that was just read? I'd like to share. And your name is? My name is Angela. Angela, good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for everyone sharing. Um, I can so identify with this paragraph, and um, I can share my experience in this situation, and I, I love the person who just shared, you know, it's, it's not easy to work in a workplace, especially 
when you're a compulsive overeater. Um, and I will share my own experience with that. For me, um, I worked with I worked with a couple girls that I absolutely believe had either some form of an addiction going on themselves, and they were very mean and cruel and nasty to me. And I tried to go to my employer to have my employer um, do something about it. And because my boss played favoritism with these two particular individuals, um, I felt betrayed by my company. Um, and what I realized um, when I read this chapter, because I used to read this chapter a lot, and I talked to my sponsor and I talked to somebody professionally in my support system, was that um, it says if we speak of his home situation, you can undoubtedly make sure su- helpful suggestions. Can we talk frankly with you so long as we don't bear business tales or criticize his associates? Um, what I had to learn from my own experience in the workplace was that I had to keep my personal life out of the company because if I shared my personal life, um, it was an open door opportunity to be talked about. And I did go to my boss and shared stuff. And I also believe employers can only do so much. You're powerless over other people, places, and things. And although they, you know, can bring a person in and talk to them, you can't control what a person is going to do once they walk out of that office. And, And I've seen that. And, you know, a lot of my greatest enemies, you know, was I had a lot of resentments. Um, I was very frustrated at my job. I was always afraid that I was going to lose my job because of what was going on. And I used every single tool I could possibly imagine to stay recovered in this program in the workplace. And I finally had to go to the paragraph that says any length, going to any length. And I shared with my sponsor and I shared with my professional person I said, I'm not going to make it in this company. And and it was said to me, then you're going to have to do whatever you need to do to go to any length. And I had to leave my job. Um, And I'm now not working, and I'm back to really going back to my program very strongly. I'm afraid to go back to work because this is what happens in a workplace. Um, It's very difficult to be recovering in a workplace, especially when you don't eat cakes and stuff at parties, you are literally singled out automatically, and that's what happened for me. You know, I automatically walked into a company, did not eat like they did, weighed and measured my food, brought it in every day, never did takeout, and I was literally put in a category of not the same. And that started the ball rolling where people had the power to attack me. And so... I don't know if that helps anybody, um, but for me, it, it taught me that I had to keep boundaries around my recovery. I had to keep boundaries around my personal life. It is not something to talk about at a job because you literally open up the opportunity for them to talk about you. And I went through a divorce. I had breast cancer. Um, my son had a suicide attempt, and it was all through this company, and I went to my boss privately. and. It's just that's what happens, unfortunately. Um, but I'm so grateful that people who love me and supported me say, you know, this is not a healthy company and you're going to have to do what you need to do to stay recovered. With that, I'll, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Angela. 
This is Victoria, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Just a brief share on what was read. This, several people have alluded to the fact that the employer can't control every communication that occurs in the workplace and ultimately it falls to the recovering person to take the high road. Um, the solution we're given here is really about being given the tools to take the high road um, when it's very tempting to join in the fray. Um, it, it reminds me of the slogan, let it begin with me. It's, it's a high bar, but ultimately, as I was told once, um, trouble in other relationships, whether it's in the workplace or in the family, ultimately, isn't so much about my relationship with that person as it is about my relationship with a higher power, with my relationship with the God of my understanding. What I do, the way I conduct myself, taking, taking higher ground, um, letting it begin with me, is about my relationship with the God of my understanding. And I do it so that I can live in recovery and receive the amazing promises that are spread throughout this big book if I live in the solution. I believe we have time for one more share. Would someone else like to comment on what was read? Well, if not, let's close our meeting for today. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Fran, would you please read A Vision for You? Fran, are you there? Michelle, if you're there, could you please read a vision for you? Yes, thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass. Mm -hmm.